you, letter B, on your handout, the scriptural foundation of the verses we just read. Letter B, what were the apostles believing as evidenced by their question? What question? Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Number one, the apostles clearly believed Israel would be a kingdom again. They believed this kingdom would be a restoration. They believed that the Messiah would be sitting on David's throne. They believed that Jesus would reign over the house of Jacob. They believed that Jesus would reign over the house of Jacob from Jerusalem, a specific location. They believed that he would reign over the house of Jacob from Jerusalem over a regenerated earth. They believed that they would be sitting on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, last week, if you were not here, you can go back to our website and you can look. We have demonstrated all of that, those beliefs, from their statements from the Scriptures. So this is what they were believing about the kingdom of heaven. So now let's look at this kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Number two, the kingdom of God, a scriptural foundation. And again, I hope that you'll look up all of these verses in your Bible so you can know where they are on the page. But for time's sake, I've printed them for you in your handout. But before we go there, open your Bibles to John 3. And if you don't have a Bible with you, look under the chair in front of you. There's a Bible there. There's a table of contents in the front of the Bible that will help you find the Gospel of John and the New Testament. John chapter 3. All right, we're going to go to John chapter 3 in a minute. But look at, so what are we doing? Roman numeral number 2 on your handout. The kingdom of God, a scriptural foundation. And when, look at, look at, I have Luke 17.20 printed. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. All right, so look up here at me for a minute. That means it can't be seen. You can't see it. And then he explains the next verse there, verse 21. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So I was teaching this to a pastor from Texas on the phone a couple of months ago. And he said he didn't believe that that was saying that the kingdom of God is inside because he was talking to Jesus was addressing the Pharisees and these Pharisees were unbelievers. They were not believing in Jesus. There's two problems with that man's, that pastor's assumption. And he's a good guy. If he's watching on here, love you, brother. But it, it, he had two assumptions. Number one, he misunderstands when the Holy Spirit came to dwell in people. We're going to see that. Look at Acts chapter 1. Keep John 3. Keep John 3. Look at Acts 1. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. We're going to look at what that means here this morning, here in a few minutes. But he misunderstood when the baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place. The other thing is, because of this pastor's training, he's taught to look past the English to the Greek, and because of that, he really doesn't understand how his English Bible works. All right, Highly educated guy, some of the best seminaries in the country, highly educated guy, and, and really 
again, if he was watching, he's a guy that we could have preach here. He's a, he's a good man. But here's what he missed. Look at what the Bible says in Acts chapter, uh, back at your, on your handout. Verse 21, neither shall they say low here or low there, for the kingdom of God is within you. Okay, here's a technical question. This is going to be difficult. Chad Hollinger, what letter does the word you start with there? It starts with the letter Y. How many of you see that? Okay, are you following me? How many of you understand that the letter Y is different than the letter T? How many of you know that? Okay, these guys right here aren't sure, I can tell. If he said the kingdom of God is within thee, he would be saying that the kingdom of God is in, so if I were talking to Laura, I would say the kingdom of God is in thee. The kingdom of God is in in you, Laura. The T words are singular, these and thou's. The Y, ye and you, is plural. So he's making a general statement. The kingdom of God is within. Every believer, the kingdom of God is within every believer. It's a general statement. Okay? So now what we're doing is we're looking at the scriptural understanding of the kingdom of God. Again, Luke 6, 17, 20, when he was, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, He answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Next verse I have listed, Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So you can touch and handle meat and drink. We're going to do that here in a little while, Lord willing, right? Meat and drink. But you can't touch righteousness. You can't touch joy. You can't touch joy in the Holy Ghost. These are states of being. So, Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So now, let's say this is your first time with us at Grace Baptist. And you're saying, okay, so far we've learned that you begins with Y. And boy, this place, you guys are awesome. What we're trying to demonstrate is that everything we believe comes from the Bible. And this kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God distinction, this teaching that they're not the same thing, um, that has caused, or let me just, let me rephrase it. The teaching that the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are synonymous, that the kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is the kingdom of heaven Understanding the Bible that way has caused a lot of doctrinal error. It causes all kinds of problems. And so we can't understand, how many of you understand that, or how many of you know that in the history of the church, Acts chapter 2 has been a place where people have really gone off the rails doctrinally. So if I said, okay, everybody, let's start. Shama la mahama, 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 Do I have an interpretation? How many of you have ever been in a service where that happened? Yeah, me too. It freaked me out. What in the world is happening right now? That's because of a misunderstanding of Acts chapter 2. And if you're saying... 
Pastor Jim, I think you were just being ugly and mocking. No, no, that's exactly what happens. I'm not mocking at all. It's a, it's a very confusing thing that happens and that some believers are taught that you have to do that. If you don't do that, then you are not actually born again. That's a misunderstanding that comes from a misreading of Acts chapter 2. So we're laying the doctrinal foundation before we ever get to Acts chapter 2 about why do we interpret the Bible the way that we do. The reason that we interpret the Bible the way we do is because we believe that every word of God is true, the Bible is inspired, and if we study the Bible by looking at its actual words, then we understand what the Bible is teaching. Okay, so, and the, the word heaven is different than the word God. All right, we're going to see that some more here in a minute. All right, so now, we're in John chapter 3. Look at the verse that I have listed for you, and then we'll look at our Bibles. Well, we're laying a scriptural foundation for the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Okay, everybody do this. Okay, kind of, kind of pinch yourself. That's your flesh. And all of you have that. If you are born... You have flesh, right? Okay, again, that's like you begins with Y. But this is a problem. People misunderstand all of this stuff. So that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. God is a spirit. No man has seen God at any time. Why? Because you can't see spirits. All right, so your flesh can be observed, touched, Felt, your spirit can't be. Y'all, you follow me? All right, so now, this is where our salvation comes in. So, last week, one of the things that, that helps us to understand our Bible is that the Old Testament was not about the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament was about God dealing with men primarily through the nation of Israel. God creates the world. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Is that what the Bible says? So that's a physical creation. Heaven and earth are physical. Physical creations. So that's what the Old Testament is about. There is no one being born again until Jesus Christ rises from the dead. Jesus teaches about that in John chapter 3. But that, that new birth, that being baptized into the, into the body of Christ by the Spirit of God, that doesn't begin until after Acts chapter 2. That's why we have to understand these things. So the Old Testament and Israel, it's all about the land, the land of Israel. If you do this, you can stay in the land. If you don't do this, you can't stay in the land. If you do this, I'll bless you. If you don't do that, I won't bless you. If you do this, I'll curse you. If you don't do that, I won't curse you. That's what the old, that, that's a, a simple summation of the Old Testament. God says, I am creating the world. I am choosing a nation. And from that nation will come the Messiah. And he will be born from the flesh of David. That's what the Bible says. From your flesh. So the reason that the Jews were not allowed to intermarry with other races was so that Jesus could come from the Jewish race. 
that doesn't have anything to do with a Japanese person marrying an Italian person. Right? That's a misunderstanding. Do you see the problem? When you don't take the Bible in its context, it causes all kinds of error. And people start teaching that one race is better than another and all of those kinds of things. You cannot find that in the Bible. It is not there. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17 that God has made of all nations one blood. That, that's what the Bible teaches. But the Old Testament is all about the physical. The New Testament is about the spiritual. The kingdom of heaven is a physical kingdom. It is the kingdom that God sends from heaven to earth. It's a physical kingdom. Here's our problem. We confuse the word heaven with heavenly. Heaven is physical. When we think of something heavenly, that's something that, that we think of as mystical. No, no. Heaven is a, is a real physical place. The kingdom of heaven is a physical, literal kingdom. We look, I'm not going to re-preach last week's message. And we went through the scriptures and identified that. The, the reason that people struggle doctrinally is because they're looking for something physical. They're always looking for a physical manifestation. Heal my body. Cause me to speak a different language. Bring me wealth. That's physical. Stuff. That's not what the New Testament is about. We don't have to have a building to be a church. All we need is the Bible, Holy Spirit of God, and people. That's, that's what we need for, for, for the ministry. And so it's very important that we understand the New Testament, the kingdom of God, is about a spiritual kingdom that is within you. The reason I believe the kingdom of God is within you is because Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. Okay? All right, let's keep going. So, we looked at John 3, 6 on our handout. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. But look at John 3, 3 in your Bible. I should have printed this. I thought of it while this was printing. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily. What does that mean? Truly. This is true. This is true. And repetition in the Bible is God's volume control. So when I say, hey, look here, this is really important. That's what verily, verily means. Okay? Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto you, this guy needed to be born again. All right? I can say, if I were using biblical language, you must be born again. Well, not if you're already born again. See the difference? All right, now, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see what? The kingdom of God. So how, how do you get into the kingdom of God? You have to be born again. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? You see the problem? Now, ladies, how many of you are glad that your children don't have to enter back into your body to be saved? Right? Because I know some of you, you don't like your kids that much. You're lost. See, what was he thinking? He's thinking it was physical. 
The new birth is not physical, it's spiritual. How do I know that? Look at the next verse. Verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water. All right, now, what happens? What do you say when it's, ladies, what do you say when it's time, you're, you're, you're expecting, and it's time to go to the hospital? What? How do you know it's time to go to the hospital? Your water broke. Okay? Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. You see that capital S? He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Because that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. So it's interesting. Jesus said, I say to thee, and now he's saying ye. Everyone in the world has to be born again. If you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to be born again spiritually, if you want to have the new birth, you must be born again. That doesn't come through baptism. That doesn't come through good works. It comes through faith. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. What is grace? It's a gift. Lincoln, it's your turn. Come on up here. I can't believe Lincoln is taller than me now. This is unbelievable. Okay, Lincoln. This happens to be a Visconti Medici pen. Very nice. Andy, do you care? <laughs> Loser. So I want to make this pen a gift to you. What do you have to do to make it yours? Now, in order to keep it, you've got to wash my car every week for the next 20 years. Gave it back. Why'd you give it back to me? Because it's not a gift if I have to work for it. Because it's not a gift if you have to work for it. I'm so glad you got your mom's brains. Go ahead. <laughs> it, how many of you understand that you can't work for a gift? The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says, for by grace, grace is another word for gift, for by grace are you saved through faith. What is faith? It's believing what God said. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 1 John chapter 5 says, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Eternal life is not in the church. Eternal life is not in the baptistry water that we're going to use here in a few minutes. There's no, there's no eternal life in the water. Life is in Jesus. You get Jesus by receiving him, how do you receive him? By eating something, by giving something? No, 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 no. By believing. By believing. The gospel is believed. And when the gospel is believed, and repentance follows that belief. What is repentance? Repentance, the Bible says, repentance toward God and faith toward Jesus Christ. Repentance toward God is this. I change my mind. I was believing this. I'm changing my mind because of what the Bible says. I'm changing my mind to believe God. That's what repentance is. What do I have to change my mind about? My sin, 
that I am a sinner and that my sin is bad enough to take me to hell. I'm talking about Jim Alter. My sin is bad enough to take me to hell. And I have to change my mind about the Savior. See, Jesus does not need my help to save me. As a matter of fact, I can't help him. The Bible says that when we were without Christ, we were aliens and strangers, that, that we were without hope in the world. The Bible says it this way, but God commendeth, he demonstrated, he showed, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That death, Christ died on the cross. Have you noticed that we don't have Jesus on the cross here? Do you know why? He's not there anymore. He rose from the dead, victorious over death in the grave. If you will believe that, Jesus will save you. And then you are born again. You're born again, not by coming to a Baptist church or or a Presbyterian church or a Catholic church or a non-denominational church. That's not how you're born again. You're born again by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection alone. That's what salvation is. And again, where the confusion comes in religion is the difference between the physical and the spiritual. The water here in a minute, that's a physical thing. You can feel the water. And I've been told if you jump out of an airplane and your parachute doesn't open and you hit the water, it's like hitting the ground. Is that right? Have you ever done that? His parachute opened. He was very glad that his parachute opened. Jumping out of a perfectly good airplane, right? Water is a thing. Spirit's not a thing. It's not, it's not physical. When you're born again, that's a spiritual birth. Now, eventually, God will change our body into a body that's like his. But when you're born again, you're going to have the same body that you, that you had before you were born again. You're going to have that same body, and God is going to change it. The Bible says that God is going to change it. He says, for our conversation is in heaven from once we wait for the Lord, who shall change our vile body into his glorious body by the power uh, by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. He's going to change my vile body eventually. Praise God for that. He's going to make the rest of you 5'8 in heaven. Just the perfect, the perfect height. That's not in the Bible, okay? That's Jim Alter version. So, look back at your handout. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. How many of you can tell he's talking about two different things in that verse? One is flesh and one is spirit. And that's why he says you must be born again. Okay, look at your next page. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. I quoted this verse a minute ago. For by one spirit, notice that's capitalized, that's the Holy Spirit of God, are we all baptized into one body? For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. So at this point, when Paul is writing this, the Romans have slaves. 
And what he's saying is slaves can be saved. Free men can be saved. It doesn't matter. There's no difference in the body of Christ. We are one. Isn't that a blessing? For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. All right? So the Holy Spirit is in us. And we're in Jesus Christ, according to the word of God. That is the kingdom of God. So let's look at the definition. Number three on your handout. The kingdom of God, a definition. The kingdom of God is clearly spiritual. The kingdom of God is clearly spiritual. It can't be seen. It's in you. Letter B. This kingdom, this is from Dalton Robertson's notes on this topic. He sent me. The kingdom was lost with Adam's fall. All right, so let's go back to Genesis chapter 2. This is really fun. All right, Genesis chapter 2, and look at verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And man became a living soul. All right, now look at chapter 5. You know what, I, I do want you to see this. Look at what it says in verse, so go to chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1. Look at verse 26. I just want you all to see from the Bible that we're not making this stuff up, okay? Verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. Who is the us? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And that's why man is body, soul, and spirit. That's the way that we're created in God's likeness. Your body, your soul, and your spirit. Your body, that's your flesh. Your soul is who you are. Your spirit is how you interact with God. Okay? God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the... Oh, oh, dominion. Dominion. You know what that is? Kingship. Dominion. Over the whole dominion. I am king over the whole... That's what this is. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Look at what it says in verse 29 or verse 28. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Dominion. Dominion. So God created Adam and gave him a kingdom. All right? That's what man was created to do. But then sin came into the world and that was lost. Go to Genesis chapter 5. Man was created in the image of God. Hold your place here in Genesis 5. Go to Luke chapter 3.
Luke presents Jesus Christ as the perfect man, and so the genealogy, the the lineage of Jesus goes back to Adam. And so look at Luke chapter 3 and verse 38, which was the son of Enos. So 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 Melilial was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth. Seth was the son of Adam. Who was Adam the son of? Isn't that an interesting verse? Adam, the son. What is a son of God? A son of God is a direct creation of God. Adam wasn't born. He was made. All right? So Adam is a direct creation of God. He was made in the image and likeness of God. Is that what the Bible teaches? All right. Is that what the Bible teaches? Okay, I'll start over. I'll threaten you. Okay. So back to Genesis chapter 5. Look at verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. What are the generations of Adam? Those that were generated from Adam, his children, his offspring. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. What's repetition in the Bible? Whose likeness was Adam made in? Male and female created he them. Is that significant for our day and age today? Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. Their name Adam. Ladies, you take your husband's name because you become one flesh. This is from Genesis 5. Verse 3. And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years and begat, he fathered, a son, oh, in his own likeness, after his image, and called his name Seth. So because of the fall, now man is no longer born in the image and likeness of God. They are born in the image and likeness of Adam. And the Bible says in the book of Romans, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive, shall all live. The only way a person can be saved is through the second Adam, Jesus Christ, the the perfect man, all right, the sinless son of God. So what happened at the fall was man lost that dominion. He lost that kingship. So letter B on your handout. The kingdom was lost with Adam's fall, and restored with Jesus Christ, the last Adam. Remember what John 1.11 says, He came into his own, and his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power to be called the sons of God. We're direct creations of God. How does that work? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Don't get nervous. We're not doing this whole handout this morning. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Sorry, I went to 1 Corinthians. And look at verse 17. Therefore... If any man be in Christ, now listen, how do you get in Christ? We already looked at it. It's on your handout. 
For by one spirit, we're baptized into one body. How do you get into Christ? Born again, the Holy Spirit spiritually places you in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to to himself by Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ has brought us back to the Father through his death, burial, and resurrection. We're in him, and he makes us a new creature that makes us sons of God. Back to your handout, letter B. This kingdom was lost with Adam's fall and restored with Jesus Christ, the last Adam. The first time... It shows up by name in the Word of God as Matthew 6, 33, the kingdom of God, which is obviously spiritual in character. What is Matthew 6, 33? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So the kingdom of heaven is spoken of all through the book of Matthew. It's the only place the kingdom of heaven is mentioned. And yet it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Why? Why? Because you can't do anything to bring in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is based in righteousness. Whose righteousness? The righteousness of Jesus Christ. All right, let's keep going. Number four. The primary differences between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. How are they different? Here we must distinguish between the kingdom of God. This is from Clarence Larkin. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is the reign of God in the universe over all his created creatures, and includes time and eternity, heaven and earth. It is spiritual and cometh not with observation. It is entered by the new birth and is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. All right, that's the definition of the kingdom of heaven. I'm sorry, the kingdom of God. Letter B. The two kingdoms are referred to in ways that make them appear as synonymous. So, Mark 1.14 and 15, they're preaching the kingdom of God, but it's a kingdom of heaven message. Because they overlap in existence when the king of both kingdoms is present. All right, so the kingdom of heaven in the millennium, when Jesus Christ comes to rule and reign, well, the king will be there. So it's the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, because the king is there. All right, that's where the overlap is. Those inhabitants of Christ's earthly kingdom will be required to seek his righteousness or suffer judgment at the close of the millennium. All right, we're going to define the millennium this evening. Letter C. Daniel 4.26, we looked at it last week. The kingdom of heaven is the rule of heaven on earth. Remember what Jesus told us to pray for? Thy kingdom come. It's the rule of heaven on earth. It's an earthly rule. You could convert every Gentile in the world and you still wouldn't have the kingdom because it is Jewish. It is a Jewish earthly kingdom. Isn't that interesting? It's about Israel. It's about Israel. All right. So let's finish with this. Everybody look at me. This is going to help you to understand this little list that I have and we'll be done. This is the difference between the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. Here, there are 12 reasons why a person can know that heaven is not God. So the kingdom of heaven must not be the same thing as the kingdom of God. Number one, birds fly in heaven. They do not fly in God. There are clouds in heaven. There are no clouds in God or in God's kingdom. Number three, God created the heavens. They did not create him. Number four, God was in the beginning. The heavens were not. 
Number five, the heavens are material. You can see them, right? You can see the sky. That's the first heaven. You can see the stars. That's the second heaven. And if you die, you would go to heaven and you would see the third heaven where God is. They're visible. You can see them. Number six, God is a spirit and cannot be seen. Number seven, God has a moral nature. The universe is amoral. When you pick up a rock, that rock is neither moral nor immoral. Number eight, God controls the heavens. They do not control him. Number nine, the heavens declare the glory of God, not the other way around. God does not declare the glory of the heavens. And that's the problem with pantheism, right? People who worship nature. Worshiping the creature, according to Romans 1, rather than the creator. Number 10, the heavens contain darkness, and in God there is no darkness at all. Number 11, the heavens can be populated. God cannot. Then number 12, this is for Chad Hollinger. The words God and heaven are spelled with different letters. Thus, any man can safely conclude that whatever the kingdom of heaven is and whatever the kingdom of God is, they are not the same. Amen? And when we confuse those, and I will do a message that shows where the, it seems like they're interchangeable. We need to go through those verses and explain it, not just throw it away. But here's what it comes down to, folks. You must be born again. Jesus will return someday and rule and reign from Jerusalem on the earth. That's going to happen. That could be today. It could be 10,000 years from now. We don't know when that's going to happen, right? But what does the Bible say about us? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of repentance. You must be born again. If you're here today, it doesn't matter what your religion is. It doesn't matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter if you're a Baptist or a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon or a Presbyterian or nothing at all. It doesn't matter. That's not the question. The question is, if you died today, are you 100% sure that you would be with God in heaven? These are written that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know that? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life? If you don't know, let today be that day of salvation for you. Simply ask Jesus to be your Savior. Acknowledge that you are a sinner and that you must be born again. I've been born again. Do I deserve it? No, I deserve hell. But that's what grace is about. That's what mercy is about. I was in uh, Ireland um, <clears throat> when Pope John Paul II died. And I was staying at a bed and breakfast, and the lady was getting me set in my room, and she had the TV on in the room. And she said, did you see that the Pope died? And I said, no, I hadn't seen that. And she said, surely if any man could go to heaven, it was him. And I said to her, I said, you can go to heaven. Listen to what she said. Oh, I could never go. I could never go. And I tried to show her from the Bible, everybody can go. Jesus died for you. 
If you were the only person in the world, Jesus would have died on the cross for you. The Bible says, and he is the the propitiation, that's the satisfactory punishment for our sins. And not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. The Bible says he tasted death for every man. Jesus died for you. You believe that? Ask him to save you. He will. You'll be born again. And you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that heaven's your home. That's the message of the gospel. That's the spiritual message of the New Testament. It's nothing about giving money. It's nothing about getting baptized or or eating or something. It's about believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message of the New Testament. You must be born again. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to preach and teach your word. Father, I'm thankful that you will come and establish your kingdom on the earth. But until then, you have said that that the kingdom of God is within men.